0: Feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Lovely Rita, meet a maid, nothing can
1: come between us. When it gets dark, I tow your heart away. And tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, another $45 billion going to Ukraine That is essentially what's on the line. And President Zelensky was making his plea before a joint session of Congress just about an hour and a half or two hours or so ago. And it was he got a rousing applause. I mean, when he came in and started speaking, they gave him a standing ovation for clearly several minutes. And there were Republicans and Democrats in there. And you certainly got to respect the incredible fight of the Ukrainian people. And it was amazing to see this guy who was literally in the war zone not too long ago now was there before Congress and also meeting with President Biden earlier today. Here he is talking with
2: President Biden. Thank you, Mr. President, for 45 billion, because this is a big assistance. And I hope that the Congress will approve this financial assistance for our crime uh, country. This is almost 45 billion. Thank you very much for this support. Every dollar of this investment for the United States is going to be a strengthening of global security.
1: And Senator Lindsey Graham was asked, "Where do you see this ending? What is the end game here?"
3: There is no off-ramp for this war. Hmm. Somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose. How does this war end? When Russia breaks and they take Putin out, anything short of that, the war is going to continue. To ask the Ukrainians to give Russia part of their country after all this death and destruction is not going to happen. To signal a ceasefire, Russia will take the opportunity to to rearm and come at them again. So we're in it to win it. And the only way you're going to win it is to break the Russian military and have somebody in Russia take Putin out to give the Russian people a new lease on life. How
1: do you see it ending? We're going to be taking your calls on that tonight. 1-800-848-9222. Meantime, also lots of talk about President Trump and the fact that they released his tax returns. It's incredible. The Democrats will not give up. Here is Trey Gowdy talking about how it doesn't make any sense to do it now other than politics.
4: And just find the explanations to be laughable. I mean, accessing them is one thing. If you want to make sure, first of all, I don't think that's a rule that you have to audit presidents. I just think it's been done. But even if it is a rule, that doesn't mean you have to release them publicly. He's now a private citizen. And I'll tell you this. I mean, if the if the touchstone is a legitimate legislative purpose, it doesn't take much ingenuity to come up with a legitimate legislative purpose for medical records, for counseling records, for psychological records. I'd like to know where this ends.
1: That is a scary premise. Medical records, counseling, psychiatric records. Good point. Where does it end? He's a private citizen now, but yet they still want to go after Trump, Trump, Trump. Well, some new explosive emails and texts have just come out to show that Nancy Pelosi's office was alerted about a lot of problems tied to security On January 6th, remember in the January 6th Partisan Committee, remember they had their final report, and they finished up this week with the criminal referrals to DOJ. And in that, they basically said, oh, no, Trump never asked for security. Um, They didn't want to talk about Nancy Pelosi turning down anything. There were a lot of major holes that were in the testimony, 1,000%. And joining us now to talk about some new explosive reporting that he has is great investigative journalist and also founder of Just the News, John Solomon. Uh, John, great to have you here. Uh, tell us this sort of blockbuster news that the House GOP, what has emails and messages that basically confirm Nancy Pelosi's office, knew there'd be security issues.
5: Well, not only did they knew they were involved in the planning. They were working with the House sergeant in arms and the Capitol Police to prepare and come up with the security plan that failed that day keep in mind we had a 600 million dollar police force overrun by a bunch of uh, uh rowdy rioters and, and violent rioters and the question is how could that happen and nancy pelosi has maintained since february of 2021 she wasn't involved and she had no power over the police department. that was her own words at a, a national press conference It is not true. Her chief of staff, other aides, were meeting regularly going back to early December 2020. They were in the know of the plan. They were even editing some of the plans and the communications for those plans in the days leading up to January 6th. Uh, All of that's going on. Their meetings or their intersection with the security planners are occurring while the Capitol Police are getting all this intelligence that bad things are going to happen, that there's going to be violence, that they're talking about storming the Capitol, that they want to uh, uh, target the tunnels and go after lawmakers, interrupt the certification of the vote. So the intelligence warnings are there. Pelosi's people are meeting with the right people. Fashioning the plan and then the plan fails because not enough resources were provided and there's this extraordinary document in this new report that five Republicans put out this morning. Jim Jordan, Jim Banks, Rodney Davis, Kelly Armstrong and Troy Nels. It's a couple days after January 6th and it's right after Pelosi has forced the firing of the police chief. Uh, or the resignation of the police chief, uh, Steve Sund, and the House sergeant-at-arms, the top security official, a guy named Paul Irving. And one of P- Paul Irving staffers who's been involved in all this planning and knows that Pelosi's team was involved writes that we kept asking time and again for resources and we were turned down. This isn't uh, that Sund and, and Irving are really scapegoats for the congressional leaders, the appropriators, the Pelosi's. Who didn't give the Capitol the resources it needed to protect itself. And one final note I'll make about what these text messages and what Capitol Police whistleblowers, who the lawmakers interviewed, revealed in their interviews. They said that the reason given why the National Guard wasn't accepted, why more officers weren't armed in riot gear and ready to do, is that. The political leadership of the House, those people reporting to Pelosi, were worried about the optics of what it looked like to have armed people protecting the Capitol. So they didn't make a security decision in the face of threats. They made a political decision, and that has turned out to be so fateful.
1: It sure has. And in fact, remember, they were so worried about the look of like uh, the armed guards and the barbed wire or things like that around the Capitol. Mm-hmm. So it was really all about optics. Um is there any evidence to show that they were trying to undermine Trump or was it specifically from what has come out so far, basically about the optics of it, that they didn't want this armed guard, this armed force outside?
5: Well, there is pretty significant evidence that the Democrats were perhaps trying to undercut the Republicans on this, not necessarily Donald Trump, but many of the security meetings that occurred Excluded the Republican lawmakers, excluded the very Republicans who had a joint responsibility to keep out for the, uh, the lookout for the security of the Capitol, particularly in this very tense moment after the November two thousand and twenty elections. In fact, at one point, there were these exchanges of notes where the security people. Acknowledging that they had cut out the Republicans and the Republicans were unaware of all these meetings and discussions and editing going on, said, hey, told the Democrats, please act surprised when we tell the Republicans about the security plan. Don't let them know you know. So Republicans were kept in the dark about something, uh, about a security plan that turned out to be seriously flawed. And you think now about the way Nancy Pelosi portrayed herself in the aftermath of this and what we now know, we did not get an honest answer from Nancy Pelosi. Her staff was directly involved she did have a say over this.
1: Yeah, no question. Also, John Solomon, um, what about the whole thing? Repeat again to what you have learned about National Guard and Donald Trump, because apparently there were multiple phone calls,
5: right? The very first offer came unsolicited from the Pen- uh, Trump Pentagon on January 2nd, 2021. So four days before uh, the riots occurred, well enough time to be able to prepare and uh, and have resources on uh, on site that would help repel these attacks. Originally, the police chief and his officials said we don't need it, we're okay. Then on January fourth, they began to have their own doubts about this, and uh, they started to uh, tell their leadership, I think we need to take the national guard, we need to take up the Trump administration on this. And the word came back from the sergeant, and I'm Paul Irving, the person who was dealing with Pelosi in her office. They don't like the optics of it. You're not getting the resources. That's what happened. The Trump uh, Pentagon actually o- o- overtly went out a- ahead of them and offered, hey, you might need these resources. Take them. They were turned down, and that became a very fateful decision. Today, Tonight, I interviewed uh, Congressman Troy Nels. He's one of the five authors. He actually interviewed the, uh, one of the top National Guard officials, and the National Guard official said, listen, if the Congress had taken us up on our offer, we would have been able to put down that uh, violence. The Capitol would not have been breached. We would have not had the tragedy that we had on January 6th. In other words, this was a preventable attack. An extraordinary acknowledgement. Now, tonight, interesting dynamics. Jim Jordan, Troy Nels, two of the congressmen on this report, are both calling for Nancy Pelosi to be summoned next year and to testify before a Republican House what she knew, why she gave a different story than what the messages show This is kind of funny. It's turnabout, right? Remember all the Republicans who were being asked to testify before the January 6th committee? Now Republicans are about to turn the table on Nancy Pelosi. And
1: now also with the discussion about National Guard, were there more than one discussion with Trump uh, or at least a Trump administration official asking? There were also conversations, I believe you uh, had reported to where Trump was present. Yeah.
5: So the the dynamic here is January 2nd, the Pentagon makes an unsolicited uh, offer to the Capitol Police. Hey, take us up if you need it. If you want it, just make a request. You got it. The police come back, originally say no. Then they come back and say, I think we might want to do it. During that time frame, President Trump is having a meeting with his top security and military advisors, and he tells the advisors, Give the capital whatever they need They need ten or twenty thousand, whatever it is they need. Let's make sure this is a peaceful day. There's no violence.
1: And what's the that date of that? What's the what's the, the date of the that? Of what's the date of that, John? When was when did that take place?
5: It's put uh, the uh, the in the Sunday, January fourth. Okay, is the time frame that uh, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Milly, remembers the meeting with the president. It was on an unrelated subject, but at the end, the president went out of his way. So two days before, two days after the offer has been made, he's reassuring one more time. And we know from Kash Patel, the former chief of staff to the defense secretary, he uh, uh, made sure and told people, have 10,000 National Guard at the ready in case we need to deploy. The Capitol didn't take them up. Then the violence started. And then there was a panic rush to try to get those uh, National Guard soldiers there. They moved as quickly as they could. But by that time, much of the damage had been done.
1: Wow. Now, how explosive do you think this looks for Nancy Pelosi? I mean, to me, this blows the lid. It was interesting because during, on Monday, when the hearing took place, I couldn't believe it. It was Congresswoman Murphy actually said, um, well, there were all these warning signs of the security. There were all these warning signs. And it begs the question, so why didn't you have security there? You know, they admitted that they actually did have issues with warning signs and that there was threats of potential violence. And yet, she said she didn't follow up and say, but uh, Nancy Pelosi didn't want it there. She sort of blamed, you know, left it hanging. Uh, but it begged the question of what we're just talking about, John Solomon.
5: That is a difficult position that Democrats have found themselves in this whole January 6 investigation, because those who really know what on know that the speaker was involved, that the offers were made, that a bad security plan was in place, that the storyline that had been given to the public isn't really a complete storyline And the danger here is everyone gets the politics. No one wants to get blamed. Democrats want Trump to own this. Republicans want Pelosi to own this. At the end of the day, the failure to understand what really happened keeps the capital from still being safe today. We still haven't learned any of the uh, all of the lessons of this so that we can adjust it. One of the important things you learn in this report is that there's a political civilian board that the police department has to run to for every big security decision. So if it's in real time, there's a crisis, the police chief can't order it, he's got to go to the board. That's a very inefficient way for police to manage a crisis. And so the report makes a lot of good recommendations of ways this can be streamlined. But that's the conversation Democrats would not have all through the summer and fall when they had all of those televised hearings, often putting out witnesses testimony that turned out not to be true. We're not focused on the future security of the Capitol. The partisanship has neglected these very important issues of intelligence failures, security failures. One of the things you hear in the report from the Capitol Police whistleblowers, they still don't believe they have the equipment to repel another attack. They still don't feel like they have the training or the equipment. Those are frontline officers telling that to lawmakers in this report.
1: Wow, that is stunning. And that should be a huge focus of the real January 6th committee hearings. Uh, which I think we would all love to see and love to see those text messages going back and forth. And you say that there are leadership directly, key folks in Nancy Pelosi's office, exactly whom in her office was getting these messages back and forth with Capitol Hill police again, John.
5: One was her chief of staff. Another was a security officer directly assigned to her office to be the liaison between the security teams and her. So uh, these were not low level people. These were people directly in the know, involved in in, in doing this. In fact, uh, you know, one of the things that they use in this report to show that, of course, Nancy Pelosi knew she was in charge of security. The moment as the Capitol is being stormed and the violence and lawmakers are in enormous danger, Nancy Pelosi is the one that gives the go ahead for the police to finally go ahead and ask for the National Guard. If she didn't think she had the authority, as she claimed in February a month later, why did she give the order then? Because all along, you see in this report, she was she and her staff were giving orders. The Capitol sergeant at arms, the House sergeant at arms, the Capitol police were constantly showing deference to the speaker because that's the way the system works in in uh, in the Capitol. And so. A lot of the false reporting, there's mainstream media news organizations like the Associated Press and others who've come out and said, oh, there's no Nancy Pelosi had nothing to do with this. These emails clearly, unequivocally, as well as the full narrative in the report, show that even the mainstream media has gotten this strong Sorry, wrong.
1: Wow. Well, this is a real stunner. Um, I'm not surprised because clearly with all the warning signs that we even heard from the January 6th committee, Clearly, it had to go somewhere to Capitol Hill. They wouldn't have gotten all these things, and then it had to not go anywhere. You know, That's it just right. it defies logic. Wow, 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 wow. Thank you very much, John Solomon. Always great to have you here on the
5: show. Merry Christmas, my friend.
1: Thank you. Merry Christmas to you, too, John. Always great to have you here. Thank you, and, and have a beautiful holiday with you and your family. And everybody, when we come back, what are your thoughts? This is really a bombshell. And this could open the door to a brand new set of hearings by the GOP to find out what went wrong with the security failures. Had the National Guard been there and they repelled everybody, we wouldn't be talking about January 6th. And yet now we know from emails and text messages that Nancy Pelosi clearly was in on it, was clearly aware of it, and she just didn't want people around there for optics, so it says. So the fact that she didn't want it for optics... And then suddenly she's begging for the National Guard after they stormed the Capitol when they had been asked, offering for weeks and weeks and weeks. And at least in this case, for sure, with the National Guard for days upon days upon days. And they said that they had threats. We heard that earlier in the week. How bad does this look for Nancy Pelosi? And the tables will turn in January. Wow, wow, wow. one 800 And we'll take your calls when we come back.
0: The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Jingle bell,
6: jingle bell, jingle bell rock.
1: And we are definitely in the Christmas spirit here on the Rita Cosby Show. We want to wish you and your family a beautiful and blessed holiday season. Well, you just heard some stunning details from John Solomon that revealed that the House GOP has gotten a hold of text messages and other emails that essentially show Nancy Pelosi's office from her chief of staff to her head of a security team. All of these people saying, no, we don't need any extra security on January 6th. Basically, it is a smoking gun showing that she was clearly aware of threats, And she alone basically made the decision in her office to turn it down, which is very different than what she has said publicly. Take a listen, because this is so important, because during the hearings that took place, remember the final one that happened on Monday with the January 6th committee? Stephanie Murphy, the congresswoman, said that she talked about all the threats that they were getting leading up to January 6th. Like the writing was on the wall, like people were armed, all these militia groups, all these other groups were planning to attack the Capitol. And it begged the question of clearly all these threats came in. It wouldn't be like it goes to a vacuous hole. Uh, So, again, it goes back to Nancy Pelosi. But, of course, they didn't want to go there because it would make the Democrats look bad. So isn't it time for the real January 6 hearings? It sounds like we may have them come January with the House and GOP hands. Here is Congresswoman Stephanie Murphy earlier this week.
4: Prior to January 6th, the FBI, Secret Service, U.S. Capitol Police, D.C. government and other law enforcement agencies gathered substantial evidence suggesting the risk of violence at the Capitol during the joint session.
1: All of those people got threats. They were aware of it. So then, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out somebody had to turn it down. Somebody turned a blind eye to all this overwhelming intelligence, and we're now hearing again that President Trump and his team had asked for the National Guard repeatedly, but the Capitol Hill police, guided by Nancy Pelosi, turned it down. That is damning for Nancy Pelosi, and she needs to come before Congress and answer some tough questions. Let's go to Robert on line six. The number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. 848
7: 9222 Go ahead, Robert. Hi, Rita. They had no problem with optics when it came to the inauguration on January twentieth. The Democrats turned it into an armed encampment. It was a military coup d'état then.
1: You know that's a great point because there it was. There was tons of security then. Uh, So what do you what do you surmise was the reason? Is it optics, or do you think there's something more to this?
7: That was to make sure that their man. Who had cheated in the election got in.
1: Wow, you you feel, you, by what makes you feel that way, because of Twitter or because of just everything, Robert?
7: All, all the things that are being revealed now.
1: But you know what, you bring up a great point about the contrast of all the National Guard that were at the inauguration uh, that was, you know, right around that same time, and yet suddenly you're right. For January 6th, it was like they were nowhere to be found. It's stunning to me that they would turn it down. And she said she didn't know anything about it. She wasn't in control of it. That is hogwash. We're going to continue with your calls.
0: This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
4: The Rita Cosby Show presents Back to Blue.
1: And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a sad story coming from Denver where video that has just been released shows a shooting of a Denver cop. Thank goodness he is going to be OK. It happened at the Denver jail and the shooting nearly cost the officer his life. Officer Jordan Anceleta was allegedly shot in the neck by Daniel Cheeseman as he was in the process of booking Cheeseman into Denver's downtown Center last month. Now, body camp footage released from Officer Occioleta and two others show that the incident began in the Sallyport Port of the detention center after Cheeseman had been arrested by Ocheleta and another officer for motor vehicle theft, drug possession, and being a felon in possession of a gun. During the initial arrest, officers recovered a high-capacity handgun and a very large quantity of suspected fentanyl inside the backpack owned by Cheeseman. However, Cheeseman was also in possession of a second gun that officers were not aware of at the time. As they parked in the sally port of the jail, Officer Occioletta opened the door to remove Cheeseman out of the vehicle. The suspect then brandished the previously hidden gun with his hands, cuffed behind his back, and fired four shots at the officers. One of the shots penetrated Officer Occioletta's neck, The officer received medical treatment at a hospital and, thank goodness, has been released. Uh, Schmidt uh, says that Cheeseman has had multiple arrests in the past and they are certainly going to be looking into what happened because clearly uh, the firearm firearm was missed in this suspect search. Thank goodness that Officer Oceleta is going to be okay. What a scary situation. It's just such a reminder that... Every single day is so difficult for our officers, and that's why we always back the men and women in blue here on the Rita Cosby Show. And we want to wish all of them, of course, a very, very Merry Christmas to them and their families. Well, we're talking about all the security breaches that happened on January 6th. And you think about it, had January 6th, had there been a whole bunch of more officers outside, they wouldn't have been able to get in there. They wouldn't have been able to get inside the Capitol. Uh, They would have just arrested anybody who was trying on site. Probably most people wouldn't have even tried to get in. There were scenes where people were kind of let in. You could see some of the videotapes that, like, the New York Post ran. It was like an officer was like, hey, come on in. Oh, yeah, if you want to sit down, go ahead and sit down. Obviously, there were scenes of violence, too. But you think about had there been a much greater show of force – January 6th never would have happened. It would have just been a protest out there. Many people probably never would have tried to breach the Capitol. They might have been angry and frustrated, as they were, because they're supporting President Trump. And now, lo and behold, we are finding out from this great reporting from John Solomon, who was just here on the show, that there are emails and text messages showing that Nancy Pelosi's office, and we're talking her chief of staff, her right-hand person, Also, her head of her security team getting emails, messaging back and forth with Capitol Hill police saying, No, we don't want any National Guard. Uh, No, we don't want any extra officers. It won't look good. The optics don't look good. We don't want it to look there. Um, So, for optics, you allowed January 6th basically to happen. Think about how different it would have been. And also, John Solomon repeating that there were two times where either Trump or his team requested National Guard to protect people at the Capitol just in case. And we heard this week that there were threats, uh, that the FBI got threats, Capitol Hill police got intelligence, that a whole bunch of different law enforcement agencies got intelligence, but yet it seems that they didn't do anything. And, and now we know why, because Nancy Pelosi was in charge of it and she has denied being in charge of it all along. And now the emails are blatantly showing that That there were discussions with her chief of staff and others. And in fact, when she let go of the head of the Capitol Hill police, remember when she fired him right after everything because she had to hold somebody accountable. uh, Other officers wrote back and said, this isn't really fair, essentially, you know, that there uh, seems to be something wrong here. He was just following orders that you were basically giving. So, boy, does the plot thinking thicken. And I think this looks pretty bad. Nancy Pelosi. And I can't wait to have her call before Capitol Hill now and to get the real details from the January 6th committee. Let's create a whole new committee uh, and just really get the answers about security. So this never happens again. And why did they turn down? Was it all about optics so far? That's what looks like the case. Shame on her for all about optics that this was created. It could have all been averted. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And now that we know this, and of course the Democrats didn't want to subpoena Nancy Pelosi, they only played comments and interviewed people that they thought would look bad for President Trump. And even when President Trump said peacefully and patriotically, remember, they basically cut out the peacefully and patriotically part. So anything was to look, you know, make Trump look bad. But now we know that Nancy Pelosi, yes, indeed, her office was clearly aware. And there's no way, as someone who covered Washington a long time, that the chief of staff and the head of her security team would just unilaterally make these decisions without bringing it up to her on such an important day. There's no way. And if that was the case, she should have fired them. But she didn't. She fired the head of Capitol Hill Police. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Here is Liz Cheney, remember this week, blasting Trump for doing nothing when Nancy Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi did nothing.
2: Among the most shameful of this committee's findings was that President Trump sat in the dining room off the Oval Office watching the violent riot at the Capitol on television. For hours, he would not issue a public statement instructing his supporters to disperse and leave the Capitol, despite urgent pleas from his White House staff and dozens of others to do so.
1: She is going after his inaction when Nancy Pelosi could have averted everything. Here's Congresswoman Democrat Elaine Laura, of course, earlier this week. In summary, President Trump lit the flame. He poured gasoline on the
7: fire and sat by in the White House dining room for hours watching the fire burn. And today, he still continues to fan those flames. That was his extreme dereliction of duty.
1: That was his extreme dereliction of duty. Your thoughts about all of this and what needs to happen now so that we learn the real story behind January 6th. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. one 848 uh, Let's go to Eric, line four. Eric, your thoughts about this.
8: Hey, Rita. Uh, well, I don't know. I want to see what you've heard about. Um, Well, she, she wanted this chaos. You see where this is going. I hear you. You see where this is going. Don't point She She It wasn't just to cause chaos that she let these people in. There's a question of the magnetic locks being opened. I saw a video. Um, but I heard she's. She was definitely afraid that she was about to get kicked out of government, her shift, because they were going to start a serious discussions about the election, about what really happened. I don't know if you've heard anything about that. That was really what well, I though
1: so regarding know. Regarding what? Regarding, what do you mean with the
6: election? What about do you mean the by election that?
8: being stolen and they were really going to have serious discussions about it and, and go through a process. And she didn't want that process to go through. Yeah, you well, know what I mean?
1: Listen, she clearly didn't want it to go through. Something's I mean, wrong, yes. And, they there's spe- something really fishy about order. all this. <laughs> yeah, there's something oh, fishy. There's and, Eric, and Eric, also, if you want, uh, you know, if you want, like, things to be peaceful, you bring out as much security as possible. Um yes, exactly. It, it's exactly. odd. You know, there's so many questions here. Eric, thank you, though. Really interesting point. And you're right. Uh, she certainly wouldn't want anything like that to be exposed if it's potentially there. Let's go to BJ. Uh, line two. BJ, your thoughts about all of this? Go ahead.
9: Well, firstly, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you. Too, you too, my uh, friend. Rita. You too. God bless you. And this is an excellent discussion. So the calculus is really cynical and evil, in my opinion, because it's quite clear that uh, pleas to for additional troops of the National Guard were ignored. Not only were they ignored to let a, 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 a fire burn and uh, destroy that rally, Uh, They were done to divert uh, any objection to the certification process because there were legitimate objections that the American people were robbed of hearing, in my opinion. Uh, And she knew that this would occur if there was a state of emergency declared at the Capitol. Uh, and it's very cynical because so many lives uh, were put in jeopardy. She was, uh, in my opinion, uh, the, the, the she was willing to let um, uh, hell rain down on everyone at the Capitol and inside the Capitol that day uh, to divert the certification process objections, in my opinion. Now, I'll also say this. Uh, When you uh, really take a look at what took place, the American people were robbed of a discussion as to the certification. Uh, And that's the real sad thing. No, you're right. You're
1: right. You're right. The Democrats didn't want any sort of discussion. It was like, we're moving on. You know, we're we're doing this. And, you know, and, and even B.J., what makes it so sickening, and I brought this up this week, that here is Jamie Raskin. I couldn't believe it. To me, it was just sort of the epitome of hypocrisy. Here he is. Uh, This is the guy who uh, was reading the counts against Trump, the criminal referrals that they made that go over to DOJ, BJ. And he's the guy reading them. And he's the one in 2017 saying that Trump is illegitimate and questioning the electors for Trump. It's like, are you like, it's okay when they do it? But yeah. if a Republican does it, then it 's a problem yeah.
9: we 're tinfoil hat people when when we question elections, but when they question elections like uh, uh the the election they tried to steal down in two thousand in Florida or other elections, then all of a sudden you know they uh, they're they 're the, de- the, be- the defenders of freedom. I have a question for you, and I want you to bring this up with John Solomon. Nancy Pelosi cannot be the only one in that chain of emails. There must be a a, a whole inner circle that knew what was going on uh, that that uh, uh, th- there must be because she she herself could not have engineered this this type of, of situation. No, it's
1: a good point point. And, and the one thing he said BJ too was that many of these security meetings excluded Republicans so there were clearly yeah, other Democrats in them. you're good. That's a great point.
9: Of course they did, but this is really this is this is uh if you spot it, you got it right uh it's like the chubby uh guy saying uh uh you know to the other uh, chubby guy, you gotta go on a diet, you know I mean these were the people that were uh running a shadow government, and they were willing to steal this election, and I'll say it. You know, I'll go to my grave saying it because I saw what took place. Uh, All of a sudden, the election results came in for Atlanta and then all of a sudden the toilet overflowed and all these other crazy things were happening. We went to bed. Donald Trump was ahead 750,000 votes. The next morning, he's he's behind 500,000 votes. Uh, All of these court challenges were stopped uh, by these Democrat uh, Obama-appointed judges. They wouldn't hear these challenges. So whatever you think about stolen elections, or if you even go by the fact that over 200 lawsuits were brought by the Democrat Party to change election laws, which is totally unconstitutional, uh, because only state legislatures can change election laws,
1: which is, by uh, the way, the the case in Pennsylvania. I always thought that that one in particular back then uh, was the most powerful one, um, because unbelievable. because you know it was clearly decided by not who was expected to be decided by, um, and they clearly determined law and and it changed law. And so, to your point, that that made an interesting case, but that one again, as we know, got dismissed, um, and and it's. It's interesting, but we'll see what goes on now. B.J., um, your point is a good one because there were clearly other people in the chain, first off, about all of these individual emails and texts. And clearly, Nancy Pelosi's office was deep in it all. Thank you, B.J., very much. Let's go to David in the Bronx. Line five. David, your thoughts?
8: Yeah, good evening, Rita. Good evening. Listen. I don't agree with any of this, what I call, nonsense about the election being stolen, but we're not going to talk about that, okay, because there's no evidence of that. And to your last caller, many of the judges who rejected those lawsuits were Trump-appointed judges, not Obama judges.
1: So stay focused on the Nancy Pelosi information, please.
8: Yeah, exactly.
1: Cash Patel
8: claims that all these offers were made for National Guard. Let Cash Patel testify under oath to that because there is no evidence the National Guard was offered directly to Nancy Pelosi or that any of these email messages
1: reached Nancy Pelosi. Wait a minute. Hey, David, David, hang on. I'll I'll give you a bridge in Brooklyn if you think that the chief of staff in Nancy Pelosi's office, that's why I went back to John Solomon and asked him because I said, wait a minute, who exactly, again, in Nancy Pelosi's office? I wanted to make sure I heard it correctly as long as... You know, as well as all of you, um, because we're all hearing it together. And he has, there are documents that show the chief of staff and the head of her security team. Those people are not just going to make a unilateral decision without talking to her briefly. There's no way in heck, David. I mean, it's just, it's not conceivable. And there's apparently right, Rita, multiple emails and multiple text messages, and the speaker doesn't want it because of optics. So it's not like they're going to just make a decision on their own. That's just that's not correct, David. Uh, Rita, I didn't say that. What I'm saying is
8: we don't have evidence that she was aware of the actual threats, okay? Listen, nobody
1: that Oh, yes, I we do. Oh, yes, just, we do, David. Wait uh, I, a minute. Dave, oh, no, you listen to me because, listen, Elaine Luria and Stephanie Murphy. Stephanie Murphy, for example— talked about all the threats that these agencies had. I'm going to play it for you again, and you can listen to it. This is Stephanie Murphy, and this is 1A, where she was saying, uh, 3A rather, where she was essentially saying, here's all the evidence that they had prior to. Take a listen, David. Prior to January 6th,
4: the FBI, Secret Service, U.S. Capitol Police, D.C. government and other law enforcement agencies Gathered substantial evidence suggesting the risk of violence at the Capitol during the joint session. So they had evidence. They
1: knew it was. There are clearly emails talking about these threats. And she decided no because of the optics, David. There's no gray here. Go ahead. All right. Well, listen, why are you agreeing with callers who are suggesting that this is some
8: part of some sinister plot? I'm not saying that Nancy Pelosi is perfect. Or that all the proper decisions were made that day. By the way, I I don't know if
1: it's part of a sinister plot. It's a bad decision. That's all I know. It's clearly a bad decision. Listen, I could agree with that. You know, listen,
8: nobody, I think, really believed that this was going to be as bad as it was. How could they?
1: This has never happened Oh, wait a minute, David. They can't, David, they can't have it both ways. That's why I was stunned. That's why I was stunned in the hearing, by the way. Earlier this week, when Stephanie Murphy, the the line I just played you, they kept using, in one of their reasons to go up against Trump, to slam Trump, was that there were so many obvious prior threats by all these agencies had all this information. So she's in charge of security, Nancy Pelosi. She gets this information and decides no because of optics. For some reason, the Democrats leave that out. Think how different history would have been if they had just accepted it and didn't care about optics and maybe cared about the security instead, David. That's that's all I'm saying. It's a bad decision. I don't know if it's part of a plot, but it's clearly bad judgment. And she should be called before Congress to answer because she made it sound like she didn't know anything about security. And everybody said, no, she's in charge. I mean, the Speaker of the House has always been in charge. Of security. She certainly was on January 6th when she was calling the National Guard to come then once they had stormed the Capitol. But before that, she did not want it. Other people in her office clearly didn't want it because of, quote, optics based on conversations they clearly had with her. And that's where it gets really bad, David. It's a bad decision. That's the nicest thing I can say. But she's clearly not being honest with the American public. Go ahead, David, real quick.
8: Well, you know what? If she's called, she should do what Kevin McCarthy did and refuse to testify. Listen, I'm all for airing the dirty laundry because we need to get to the bottom of this. Well then it's you like should say
1: then you should say she should testify if that's the way you feel. No, 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 why should she do what Kevin McCarthy refused
8: to do or what these other Republican congressmen Because refused if she to do
1: because-, because if you I'm just saying if you believe in law and justice, she should testify. I hope she does testify. I hope and if she takes if she takes the 5th on something like this, It sure seems like something innocuous. I hope she does testify. I hope they do a whole hearing about the security. Think about how different it would have been. And again, David, I don't know what's behind it, but it's clearly just a bad decision. How could you say no? And then you you claim that, oh, all these prior threats were ignored by Trump, and yet clearly they were ignored by the Speaker's office. There's no doubt about it. Uh, David, thank you, though. Good points, as always. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. I don't agree with David. I think that she has to testify. I think it looks damning.
0: The Rita Cosby Show. And
1: we're talking about this blockbuster new information that John Solomon just broke here on the show That basically there were multiple conversations with Nancy Pelosi's office, her chief of staff, her right hand guy and security officials in her office saying she doesn't want the optics of extra security. And that's why there wasn't extra security on January 6th prior to the protests and riots that happened at the Capitol. Um, Boy, this looks bad for her. And of course, the Democrats didn't reveal this. But you can bet the House GOP will when they take over Congress on January 3rd. Let's go to Judith, line five. Judith, your thoughts about this?
2: Hey, Rita, thanks for taking my call. Listen, um, I want to ditto whatever B.J. said because he was terrific. And, you know, the other guy after, I don't know his name is. Oh, I think David. Uh, Excuse me, David and Rita also. How can you prove that it wasn't stolen? You know, November three of twenty twenty, and, uh, and due to that, Trump, I don't want I
1: don't want to litigate that. I want to go, I want to stay focused on the Pelosi, okay. just because this is All the right. new information. But but okay. David David okay. David David, you heard he didn't even understand the whole Pelosi thing until I explained that it was her chief of staff and the right-hand guy. I mean, come on. You know,
2: but I I want to I want I want to tell you something. No one does anything without the head. Okay? So Nancy Pelosi knew everything. She is responsible. I called you the other night to say she's responsible, not President Trump. He had no authority. He suggested to get it. The reason she didn't want it cuz I believe it was not optics. I believe she wanted the chaos. She wanted the riot. She knew that Antifa is coming along. The FBI were undercover that were dressed like MAGA people. They allowed people, her Capitol Police allowed people in. It was like some sort of a setup because they wanted all of this and they wanted to stop the legal process that was supposedly going on to basically investigate the integrity of the election and to see if they can uh, extend it by 10 more days to investigate. And Rita, let me ask you a question if you know the answer to this. Constitutionally, Vice President Pence, who came to the studio today, he was talking he sounds very nice and everything i have nothing against him except for one thing i really believe that what he could have said is i cannot verify therefore i cannot certify due to the fact that there's a lot of information out there that there's a lot of you know misinformation as far as shenanigans whatever you want to call it and therefore let's extend this for another 10 days he could have easily done that rita
1: well and see, he? well the reason he says he didn't was he said that he got multiple people giving him legal advice, attorneys, saying, no, you don't have the authority to do that. And he said that's why he turned to legal attorneys, uh, counsel, and the vice president's office, and elsewhere. But that is up for subjection to many people.
0: This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I know your name Rita.
1: Guitar, and tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, I'm gonna continue your calls as we are talking about this bombshell that took place with Nancy Pelosi that we found out from John Solomon, again, where he was talking specifically about everything tied to January 6th and that Nancy Pelosi's office was well aware of it. Boy, that is really interesting that they had warnings that there would be massive security issues, that there would be massive security problems. And yet, She didn't want any extra officers because of optics. Well, tonight, when I hear these details, this looks so bad for Nancy Pelosi that she has apparently, through her office clearly, they're now apparently in control of the House GOP. There are emails and text messages basically showing that her chief of staff and head of security were communicating with Capitol Hill police and basically saying, no, we don't need any extra help. We don't want to have any extra security on January 6th because of, quote, the optics of it all. It will not look good. It is not a good thing. And because of that, you think about how January 6th maybe wouldn't have happened had they had extra security out there, had they had that show of force that apparently a number of people have said that President Trump had asked for ahead of time. Unsolicited, apparently, he asked, hey, maybe we should send out 10 or 20,000 National Guard. That's according to a number of other people who said that they were aware of him saying that. Also, as we just heard from John Solomon, uh, Trump, apparently the Pentagon there, basically on January 2nd said, hey, maybe we should send out some extra security. Maybe we should have some other forces there. And yet these requests were repeatedly denied. And it just begs the question, why? If it was all about optics, that she didn't want to have all these security officials outside of January 6th, that's a really bad decision. You can't have optics as the reason that you basically tell officers to stand down, essentially. And now it makes sense because with all these warnings that we were hearing from all these multiple agencies and that even they repeated at the beginning of the January 6th hearing Remember, at the beginning of the January 6th hearing, they also said, essentially, you know what? There were all the writings on the wall. There were obviously signs of violence that were going to take place or all these groups that were armed that were planning to come to the Capitol. So why would you leave the Capitol police all by themselves to fend these people off? And they used it to basically say, hey, President Trump knew, but they didn't want to point the fingers at themselves. And now these new emails and text messages basically blow the lid on everything and show that essentially Nancy Pelosi was aware and her office certainly well informed that there were issues, there were threats, and yet they apparently turned it down. And you can bet that the House GOP is going to be grilling Nancy Pelosi and others because apparently there were meetings about security that left out Republicans prior to January 6th. So if that's the case, you turned it down, you own that. Nancy Pelosi, shame on you. If it was just a bad decision because of optics, you could have prevented January 6th by having all these people outside. You could have had a massive show of force, National Guard, a whole bunch of other officers, but you didn't. So for whatever reason, it is a terrible decision, and she needs to answer some tough questions. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. By the way, also, Trump's tax returns were coming out. If this doesn't show that it's all about Trump, 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 Trump's tax returns came out, and everybody's wondering why did they come out just now? They've been sort of leaking the highlights, if you will, but they're going to release the whole full kahuna, so you'll be able to see all of his taxes basically unprecedented because he's now a former president but yet the democrats will try to do whatever they can to find anything to smear president trump and trey gowdy and others say this is a dangerous slope first off here is congressman brady basically saying this is so much
10: overreach going forward the majority chairman of the house ways and means committee and the senate finance committee will have nearly unlimited power to target and make public the tax returns of private citizens, not just private citizens, political enemies, business and labor leaders, or even the returns of Supreme Court justices themselves. No party should have that power. No individuals in Congress should have that power. It's the power to embarrass, to harass, or destroy um, Americans through disclosure of their tax returns.
1: And Trey Gowdy says this is a really slippery slope. Like, where does it end? Are they going to try to get, like, psychiatric records of anybody, medical records, that this really opens Pandora's box? Take a listen.
4: And just find the explanations to be laughable. I mean, accessing them is one thing. If you want to make sure, first of all, I don't think that's a rule that you have to audit presidents. I just think it's been done. But even if it is a rule, that doesn't mean you have to release them publicly. He's now a private citizen, and I'll tell you this i mean if the if the touchstone is a legitimate legislative purpose, it doesn't take much ingenuity to come up with a legitimate legislative purpose for medical records, for counseling records, for psychological records. I'd like to know where this ends and
1: former federal prosecutor Andy McCarthy also says. This is very dangerous. It opens a Pandora's box of where they may go for the average citizen.
8: If they could do it to Donald Trump, if they can do it to Elon Musk, why would average Americans think it can't be done to them? They're using that power pretextually to get their hands on the tax data of people they don't like, and then they figure out reasons to make it
11: public. It's really outrageous.
1: It is outrageous. And it just shows everything is against Trump. And that they are clearly worried about him, so much so that they're pinning the riots of January 6th on Trump, saying, you know, he knew there should have been more security. He knew that there were issues, but yet he wanted them to storm the Capitol. He wanted them to do that. Well, what John Solomon just reported in the last hour really throws that all out the window that there are now emails and text messages showing that Nancy Pelosi's office directly was involved in the failed security, that they turned it down because of optics. This looks so bad, and I hope that she gets grilled before the GOP Congress coming up soon. Uh, Let's go to Jim, Line 7. Jim, your thoughts about all this?
11: Hello, Rita. You know, you know, Rita, a big reason the Democrats had success in the midterms was they used the January 6th committee to make Republicans and Trump look bad, and they tied a lot of Republican candidates to Trump. I think Pelosi didn't send the National Guard to the Capitol because she wanted an unrestrained riot that could be exploited politically, which is what the January 6th committee did right up to the uh, midterm elections. And like you said, anything they can find to make the Republicans and Trump look bad, going way over any previous lines, they do. And that's what I think happened here.
1: That's an interesting point that she wanted it to get out of hand, and thought, you know, I, I mean, you think about it. If I were one of those Capitol Hill police officers, I'd go crazy. You know, especially the guy who got fired. And it turns out he was, quote, just following orders. I mean, how sad is that? And now we're hearing them all this intel about all this prior threats, which they're trying to use against President Trump. It's going to backfire on the Democrats that they knew about it. And you're right. Why would you ever allow this to happen? I mean, that's what's so Stunning. Jim, thank you. Let's go to Dom in Minnesota. Dom, your thoughts.
12: Read a great interview with John Solomon, and he richly deserves a Pulitzer. Yeah, his he's a of,
1: he is a great reporter. I agree.
12: No, no, but the questions you asked him were also fantastic. You know, his level of detail in every report that I've been listening to him over the over time is amazing and stunning. You know, that's why I love listening to him and you know, every time he comes on. As to Princess Cruella, Pelosi, how selfish do you have to be and power hungry to be knowingly withholding protecting the Capitol? Nancy Pelosi should be subpoenaed for the treason and the major crimes against the people. And the first question posed to her under oath should be, Madam Speaker, do you deny that you had no advanced knowledge of the likelihood of January 6th event or were you just too drunk? On your red wine and chocolate ice cream therapy to fulfill your duties as a speaker. <laughs> that, you know? Yeah,
1: she does like her ice cream. That's right. Remember, yes, I remember does. we saw all that. Yeah, but you know what? It is a dereliction, Dom, because the Capitol is basically her domain. You know, when you're the House Speaker, um, you're, you know, third in line. So it's a, it's an important position, and that comes with important responsibility. And you use the word sort of dereliction. It's a really powerful comment because— I rarely use that phrase, but I use it with Mayorkas because it has been a complete dereliction. I think Biden with the border, too, as well, has been a dereliction. And you could make the case that Nancy Pelosi, same thing. Um, it's a great point. Dom, um, thank you very, very much. Um, let's go to Rick. Uh, line five. Go ahead, Rick. Your thoughts about this.
13: Hello, beautiful Rita. How are
1: you? I'm good, Rick. How you doing?
13: Doing good. Thanks for asking. Uh, You're too kind and way too mature to call Dave a name, so I'll do it for you. Dipsy Doodle Davy, follow the bouncing ball. Nancy Pelosi knew there could be trouble and probably would be trouble January 6th. I was sitting at home. I knew there could be trouble and might possibly would be trouble. My cats knew there could be trouble on January 6th. This is called the false flag operation.
1: So you You believe you believe you believe it was all false flag. Very interesting, Rick. Thank you very, very much. Uh, Let's go to Bob. Line four. Go ahead, Bob.
10: That call is actually right on target with regard to the government setting up people uh, for false uh, entrapment scenarios. Uh, So, I mean, if you look at the video footage, there are clearly numerous instances of Capitol Police letting in the, quote, rioters, unquote, into the Capitol Rotunda. So again, this was definitely something that was set up, it was preconceived, it was orchestrated. They want to portray Trump supporters, these deplorable, working-class, tax-paying wage slaves that are basically uh, being uh, hit with every type of uh, repression that you could think of. CRT, homosexual propaganda in the schools, these are people who are despised by the people who hold power in Washington. And they wanted to portray them in the public eye as being dangerous. All right. Now that being said, this is exactly what used to happen to the people on the left. Well, and and 16, and Bob no 70s. and
1: Bob, listen, you bring up some interesting points. I mean, I think I, we don't know that. We just clearly know that it was a bad 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 decision uh by Nancy Pelosi, whether it was optics or whatever. I you know, we don't know what the reason is. Uh, but, boy, it was stupid. And you can't gloss over it because you think about how it would have been with the National Guard all around the Capitol that night, how different the scenario would have been on January 6th. Let's go to Mike on the Lower East Side, number two. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, that, uh, hey, Mike, I can't hear you. I can't hear you.
7: Yeah, the day the election was stolen was on January 6th. That's why she didn't want the National Guard there. It's because the National Guard could have said, oh, hold on, uh, hold on. not so fast. They could have said, listen, we're, uh, uh, we're not handing over the keys to you because uh, the president is uh, objecting. So she she didn't want them there. And January 6th was just a smokescreen to, to the theft of the uh, presidency.
1: You know, January 6th. You think about how different it would have been, Mike, if there were National Guard? What do you think would have happened if there were National Guard stationed around the Capitol that that day? What do you think, Mike?
7: Well, uh, if, if the president would have objected and said, listen, I, I don't I, uh, they stole the election. We knew how they stole the election. We want to put a stop to this right now. The National Guard could have brought it right into the courts. And got another 10 days. They didn't have to go to the vice president because the, the, the president. Yeah, but, but, was, but, Mike,
1: but Mike, I want you to stay focused on January 6th. The, the, what did happen it was there clearly was the joint session on January 6th. Had there been a whole bunch of guards around it, do you think things would have been different? I think there would have been if you saw. Oh, for sure. You know, and and well, those, those National Guard guys are super well armed, you know? Yeah,
7: yeah. But uh, she didn't want them there because they, she needed a cover up, a, a, a smoke screen to the theft of the presidency. So that was just a smokescreen The Saturday, January 6th. She needed that in order to steal the election.
1: Well, who knows what her objective is? Clearly, uh, at minimum, she made a horrible decision. And I think we need to get to the bottom of this. I mean, you may be right, Mike, who knows? But there's a lot of serious questions here, and we need to find out uh, what exactly happened. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222, some explosive emails and texts showing that Nancy Pelosi's office basically said they didn't want the National Guard there on January 6th because of the optics. Do you believe that? Why? And also, how bad does that make it look for her and all the Democrats? Somehow they left that out of the January 6th hearings, all 10 of them one
0: 848 The Rita Cosby Show. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. <laughs> I'm dreaming
10: of a white
4: Christmas Just like the ones I used to know
1: A little drifters, White Christmas. You can never go wrong with the drifters and a Christmas song. How awesome is that on the Rita Cosby show? Well, Nancy Pelosi may get a gift. She may get a subpoena. Uh, It looks like after what John Solomon was reporting here on our show with the breaking news, that there are emails showing clear conversations between Nancy Pelosi's team, her chief of staff, and others saying, "No, we don't want extra security, we don't want national guard, we don't want this, we don't want that. We're talking about January six, and boy, it looks damning. What are your thoughts about this, and why would Nancy Pelosi turn it down in some of these emails and texts that says the speaker doesn't want the optics of extra security around the capitol. What does that mean? One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Victoria in Vermont. Uh, go
6: ahead, Victoria. Your thoughts? Oh, hi, Greta. I have two quick points. I just want to add to what BJ said earlier about um, the riot stopping the challenge to the certification of the electors, while everybody's saying that uh, Trump wanted to stop the certification. Nobody ever brings that up. Um, BJ was the first person to have mentioned this in, in ages, and that's a very key point that was left out of the uh, of the January 6th hearings. Uh, and I also want to add that the riot ended any possibility that there could have been a challenge to the electors, and it, it shut everything down completely.
1: Yeah, you're and right. They, no, you're right. Had, if that was the intention, you're right. It it uh, it backfired. Yeah. But so, what do you make of and, a Pelosi turning down security that day, Victoria? This new news that that we thought was the case, but now there are emails and text messages showing it.
6: Well, I think I I am tempted to believe that it was sinister that she wanted this to actually happen, um, but. Uh, More importantly, I I keep hearing criticisms from other people, uh, even besides Liz Cheney, which you played earlier, that everybody's saying that Trump didn't act quickly enough. And I maintain that he couldn't have done anything other than what he did. She said that he was sitting in his office watching the proceedings and doing nothing. Well, the, the thing is, he had already offered the National Guard. She hadn't accepted it. And I think that uh, if you want to criticize him for not acting quickly enough, you can apply the same standard to her in spades. Well, that, that, that's the that... point. That's the point. Her
1: inaction, yeah. you could beg the question, uh, created a lot of this, too, as well. I mean, there's no question. Yeah. No question. Victoria, yeah, I... great points. Thank Absolutely. you very, very much. Uh, let's go to Joe. Line two. Go ahead, Joe. Your thoughts.
6: Hello. Hi, Joe. What do you think? Well, thanks for taking my call. Uh, look, the Democrats never do anything without having an agenda. Their agendas are always, I, I call it evil in plain English. And I believe that uh, Pelosi had an agenda that day. And in fact, I think that she ought to be held guilty for the murder of that girl that was shot. You're it's talking. You're law talking law about it. Ashley
1: Babbitt, uh, the uh, yes. the protester who was yes. shot there. By which that that whole thing has been just so glossed over too. There needs to be yeah, a lot more. Of course
3: Joe, it has.
6: Her family suffered by it.
1: No, gr- great point. We still don't know a lot about all of that. Uh, let's go to Jim, line six. Go ahead, Jim. No,
9: I'm not fucking dead.
1: Whoa, Jim. Go ahead, Jim. Jim, go, Jim, we're losing you. Let's go to Noel, uh, line six. Go to,
6: go to Noel. Hi, Rita. I agree with you that things would have been very different had there been National Guard troops available January 6th, but Nancy Pelosi did not have the authority. No Speaker of the House does. The only people who can call out the National Guard are the governor of the state where the guard is needed and the president because D.C., being you
1: know a non-state she there are clearly reports that there was extra security allowed to come Noel. there's clearly reports that show that she turned it down including national guard so let's see where this goes and let's call her before congress
0: this is the rita cosby show on the red apple podcast network The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes.
1: And in tonight's Support Our Heroes story, a powerful one coming from Houston, Texas. America's Vet Dogs has matched another deserving veteran with one of their service dogs. And it happened just before the second quarter of the Texans versus Chiefs game on Sunday. The service dog in training, affectionately known as Texans pup, Kirby was sponsored by the Texans and Kroger Supermarket to receive more than a year of training. Now, the Yellow Labrador is now part of Sergeant Major Kevin Bittenbender's family as he heads home to Pennsylvania. He said, there are a lot of emotions. It's a blessing, and I knew it was meant to be. He said that this gift of a service animal will continue to help him with PTSD. He served in the U.S. Army for 34 years and was deployed several times during Operation Enduring Freedom. In addition to needing a lower leg amputation due to combat service and burn pit exposure in Afghanistan, Bittenbender also deals with emotional scars that run deep. He said he has survivor's guilt. I lost three great friends of mine in Afghanistan. With that, I struggle with it on a daily basis. And his advice to everyone out there, if you have a fellow veteran, if you know of one, reach out to them, let them know you got their six, you have their back, and it's okay to talk with you and share with you what they need to get off their chest. Beautiful, beautiful message. And how beautiful that he has uh, little Texans pup Kirby now by his side to help him get through some of these difficult times. Well, just a few hours ago, Zelensky, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, uh, did an historic address before the U.S. Congress talking about why they need to continue the fight and support Ukraine. Um, I thought it was really powerful. Um, I thought he also talked a lot about the Battle of Saratoga, which was our battle in the Revolutionary War. Talked about the Battle of the Bulge in World War II, how these turning points in history, how Christmas is starting. And how there will be a lot of people in Ukraine without power and heat. And that this is a fight that must be taken. He also said that Iran is clearly helping big time uh, Russia with these drones. And he said that access of evil with Russia and Ukraine, by the way, is going to get a lot worse. And if they don't get stopped in Ukraine, they're going to go beyond Ukraine's borders. Uh, so it was very powerful and I thought just a really deeply meaningful time for it to be said. Here is Chuck Schumer comparing Zelensky to another man in history. Take a listen. This is cut number four.
0: Where Winston Churchill stood generations ago, so too will President Zelensky stand here today, not just as a president, but as an ambassador of freedom itself.
1: And. Senator Marsha Blackburn said she supports Ukraine but wants to make sure that the money and the weaponry is getting to the right place.
3: I'm one of those that would like to have some transparency and some accountability. The American people, Tennesseans, all of us, we support the Ukrainian people in their fight. I had recommended to the White House before Russia went into Ukraine that they began foreign military sales to Ukraine. Also, it is important for the EU countries, it is important for NATO, for those countries to step up and help Ukraine. This is on their doorstep. We do not want to see Russia or those in the axis of evil, Iran, China, North Korea, get the upper hand. And it is important that Ukraine have what they need, but we've got to have some accountability and some transparency on this.
1: And Senator Lindsey Graham said, no doubt he's 1000% in support of Ukraine.
3: Completely all end without equivocation. Uh, if Putin dismembers Ukraine, he will not stop. China is more likely to go into Taiwan, the world will unravel, and no domestic problem gets better here at home, allowing Putin to destroy Ukraine, quite the opposite. If you can stop Putin in Ukraine, China will probably rethink invading Taiwan and the world will be a better place. Nobody's dying over here, no American soldiers, we're spending money, but it's being spent at a good cause, the cause of freedom. So I'm all in, whatever they need, as long as they need it.
1: And joining us now to give his great assessment on Zelensky's historic address before Congress is Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, a great Intel operations officer, uh, also head of the London Center for Policy Research and president of Project Sentinel. Uh, Tony, really great to have you here. And thank you, too, for joining us uh, late tonight just to get your perspective on this amazing, I thought it was a really powerful address.
11: Yeah, it's always great to join you. Thank you for having me. And I think he laid out his case very well. The issues remain, though. Um, what is a, a what is the end of the war going to look like? And I think that's something we have to start considering. Um, within the context of the politicians making their statements, I think everybody recognizes that, that Ukraine is a line in the sand that we must hold. Um, I, I've compared this before to... Finland, 1939, where the Russians went in there and just got their clocks cleaned. And unfortunately, the Finns eventually buckled because they didn't have enough support. So I'd like to believe that in this case, since the Finns put up such an amazing defense, so are the Ukrainians. I'm hoping this time uh, the amount of technology, modern weapons, other support going in will, will make that difference. Uh, and like Senator Blackburn, I'm one of those that says, geez, we need to make sure we're accounting for everything that we're sending. And those things that we're sending are being used effectively. And I've said this, I'm not being, I don't want to be mean to the, the Ukrainian people. The Ukrainian people, the, that that government's cut out of the same cloth as the Soviets. As a matter of fact, they used to be all the Soviet Union. So one of the things that's dogged Vladimir Putin is the corruption within the Russian system. Uh, they, before the war started, Rita, Ukraine had huge problems with corruption. So as much as I think we all recognize that we have to support the Ukrainian people, they are being victimized, no power in the middle of winter, all these other horrific things being done, torture, uh, we need to stick with them. But at the same time, we must make sure that the aid we send, the support we provide is being used effectively to defeat the Russians, not benefit corrupt politicians. And that's something that's very important.
1: How do we make sure that, um, some of these other countries, uh, give their fair share, if you will? I mean, I think it's great, um, and, and I've been a huge supporter, of course, as Ukraine, you know, my father's Polish, so we understand it all too well. Um, but how do we, how do we put some pressure on maybe others in Europe? There's a number of them who've made commitments. There's some that have right. made commitments, but they haven't followed through with it. Um, how can we, and, and I also think, you know, Tony, sort of throw all this at you, but I also think how different this would be. If it was President Trump, um, first of all, I don't think Putin would have invaded. And I think he he would have been all in at the beginning as opposed to this drip, drip, drip.
11: Right. So we have an issue with NATO. I mean, that's the issue right now. As you mentioned, Poland, uh, Poland's all with us. We've got to support them. We have forces, (laughs) immense forces deployed in Poland, just saying Uh, Latvia, Estonia, all those other nations, part of NATO. We have to defend them. And the issue is not all of the EU or NATO are on board. Uh, Hungary has some issues. Turkey has issues. Uh, Norway has issues. So it's it's one of the situations where uh, we're going to have to deal with those countries which are most uh, willing to, to to work with us. Poland, others, Germany. Germany has a big issue with energy, so they better be helping out. So it's, it's one of the situations where I think effective diplomacy is going to be the best bet. I just don't trust Anthony Blinken to be the, the diplomat to get it done, unfortunately. And to your point, I don't think we'd be having this conversation if Trump was in, because one of the first things Trump would have done in the beginning of the wars is, is basically open the spigots of U.S. oil production and drop the bottom out of the price of oil for us as Americans to lower our expenses and, most importantly, Rita, defund Putin— and his oil reserves. One of the things that people tend to continue to forget, Putin is making an immense uh, immense amount of money keeping his war effort going by selling his oil. Some of that's coming here still. So we have a a system that is not recognized, well, strike that. You and I recognize this, many on our side, and that the the side of common sense recognizes that a, a lot of this is about energy. And if we were smart, the politicians were smart, they would go about making sure that we, the United States, just produce the heck out of oil and really take that advantage away from Putin. That's something that, unfortunately, we are not looking to do at this point in time.
1: You know what? And and I agree with you. You know what's amazing, though, Tony, is how come there isn't more public outcry about just your point? Because if you put it all together and say, well, President Biden, why aren't you opening the spigots here? Right. That would make, first of all, it would it would help our economy in America. And two, it would, you're right, it would demoralize um, and de-incentivize Putin. He wouldn't have all that money. I mean, he sort of put us in this, that's what's so crazy. He's killing our energy. He's boosting Putin by doing all of that. Right. And yet at the same time, we're sending money over there. It doesn't make sense. It's like... Like, think about how different it would have been if you opened the spigots and also if you picked up the phone and said, Vlad, if you go anywhere near there, uh, you're going to be basically, you know, bombed into the Stone Age. I can already hear President Trump's conversation with
11: him. Right. Well, I think that's the thing. Trump would have made it personal. It's like, Putin, you're going to pay a price. And even now, uh, some of the sanctions, Rita, don't include some of the most uh, uh, rich uh, oligarchs in the Russian system. It's, It's just insane. So. Uh, this is one of those things where, looking at the policy, yes, it's great. We're supporting Ukraine, and I think it's very clear that we're doing those hard things. We're using our technology and know-how and and uh, wit to help them uh, hold off the hordes of Russian soldiers. But remember, we uh, Putin's got a million five troops ready to go back on the offensive. They're talking about bringing Belarus in. I know, and so uh. it's going to get it's going to get more bloody. And this is why I'm saying right now is the time rita to start using all these other outside resources to affect putin and their system directly again oil gas prices drop those increase our production take that advantage away from putin start really seriously looking at how to get at putin directly uh, and stop this other you know and it's great in a way You know boy I'm, i'm a military guy it's great to see our technology working uh, they're doing what we would have done during the Cold War had the Russians invaded. Uh, Rita, we always counted on our technology being uh, the leg up over the Russian masses. We we knew we'd have to have like 10 to 1 against us. But we always figured that the weapon systems we developed would be effective in reducing that advantage. And it's, it's very clear it's working. I mean, Yeah, I clearly. That's, that's and we're
1: sending a Patriot. We're sending a Patriot right. missile system. Right. Um, and, and listen, I'm for supporting Ukraine 100 percent. I understand just the threat it is, but I just feel like, God, if it had been handled so much better to begin with. And like you said, opening the spigots, I mean, it it would have been night and day. And I'm surprised that more Americans aren't kind of realizing the horrible decisions of this administration that have just put us in this. And and sadly, the Ukrainian people, too, I think, had Trump interjected early on um, versus now we obviously had Biden in the White House Uh, It just it's night and day. We would have spent so much less money. Um, It would have been much more effective. And he Trump would have uh, amassed troops. Trump would have done a whole bunch of things and also certainly opened the spigots from the oil. He's what is you know, he would have understood that financial game. And the fact that we're in a mercy situation on our oil and gas is outrageous.
11: And that's the issue right now. We cannot afford to show any more weakness. So as much as I, I don't like this. Biden cannot afford now to show weakness. The more weakness he shows, it encourages Iran uh, and the Chinese to act out with Putin. So um, it's one of the situations that that, uh, the weakness we've shown so far has not been uh, good. Uh, And we've got to the point where Biden has kind of decided finally to come around and really give – and remember, Rita, under Obama, there was no lethal support being given to the Ukrainians at all. It was Trump who opened that up. Just think about uh, had Trump not opened up lethal support to Ukraine, where they'd be right now. So all the bad decisions leading up to this moment have been on the Democrat side. Uh, And and it's one of those things that I think the Democrats need to take a step aside, let real military strategists with understanding of the global situation, everything is linked, come in and start making some uh, some decisions which will actually stop the war. We've got to stop the war before it gets out of hand, before anything else can go wrong. And try to really bring some sanity to this and get it back so that the Ukrainian people don't have to suffer through this upcoming winter. It's going to be very terrible.
1: You think it's going to get a lot worse uh, with um, the Russians, with the ground getting hard, uh, the Russians know how to fight in the winter. And, you know, you brought up uh, Belarus, Tony. That, to me, is really scary.
11: So Putin is planning on using all the resources available to him, even though they're conventional forces and they're probably going to take horrific uh, losses. I mean, Rita, they've already taken losses. In the initial entry into the war, uh, you know, 300 days ago, about that first month, they lost as many troops as they lost at Kursk against the, the Germans during World War II. So they're not afraid to lose uh, troops. And that's one of the horrible things about the Russian military. They see their troops, even today, just like World War II, as chattel. You know, they just send them in there. So uh, it, it, both sides will lose greatly. And I think this is where resolve of uh, wit understanding how to get inside of uh, Putin's thinking and try to deter him and really bring this thing to a conclusion as soon as possible, because obviously Putin starts losing, loses all those troops. I don't think it's beyond the, the pale for him to try to use nuclear if he thinks he can get away with it. So that's another reason for Biden and this administration to show great and clear resolve that they will not accept that from Putin. And that again, because of Afghanistan, because of other things that Biden has done to show weakness, Putin right now, I think, is betting that he's going to get away with this. And that's a very dangerous thing for Putin to be thinking.
1: Yeah, that sure is. And, of course, our thoughts and prayers are big time with the people of Ukraine. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, uh, the head of the London Center for Policy Research and also uh, president of Project Sentinel. Thank you so much for being with us, Tony. Your perspective is always so great.
11: Great. Thank you, Rita.
1: Thank you very much. Um, Let's go to Larry, uh, Line 5. Larry, your thoughts about all this? 1-800-848-9222 is the number to call. Go ahead, Larry.
8: I just want to make this straight From Biden for Ukraine.
1: Larry, Larry, you're you're fading out out on the phone.
7: Biden caused Russia to go into Ukraine. And the reason is because Putin initially threatened
13: the United States
7: and Biden blinked. OK, and he didn't. And when they were amassing troops, he didn't oppose it or say anything. He didn't even say anything. So he was like uh, he was like frightened into silence. That's why Russia went in. They did not count on uh, Ukraine being assisted by the United States. They counted on the United States being intimidated by the nuclear threat. If Putin knew that Ukraine was going to be assisted to the level that they've been, he would never have gone in because you see that the, the losses that Russia has incurred and they've been stymied so far. So if if, if, uh, if, if uh, Trump was at the helm, it would have been unequivocal that the, he wouldn't have been intimidated and Putin would have known that he would not have gone in. So Biden caused this war.
1: Well, and you know what's, you know what's interesting, Larry, what Tony just brought up, Tony Schaefer just brought up. Also, the smart thing to do right now would be to open the spigots, the oil spigots. So, you know, Russia is still getting so much of their war funding and their economic funding just in general, by the way, from oil. They're still selling oil elsewhere because Biden has limited the amount of oil on the market, you know, because we don't produce it anymore. So it's put us in like a really bad situation. So if Biden opened the spigots at the same time, think about also, how that could have prevented things, too. There are just so many issues. And and like you said, Larry, you know, my heart, of course, breaks for the people of Ukraine. I want them to win this big time and kick Putin in his butt, you know, and send him out of there. Uh, but I think so much of what, uh, you know, would have, could have, should have and how different it would have been if Trump was in control. I agree with you. Trump would have amassed troops. He would have called Putin and said, get the heck out of there. Don't you even think about it? And Putin would have been worried enough that Trump would have done something crazy. And if Trump said he's going to send forces, there would have been no gray. He would have understood where Trump stood. And he wouldn't have sensed weakness, which he clearly did with President Biden. I 1000% agree with you, Lair. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222.
0: The Rita Cosby Show.
1: Talking about President Zelensky's historic speech before Congress, I think it was very powerful. And I think the U.S. should obviously do what we can to support him. Uh, But I think that there were so many missteps and a lot of it was, I think, clearly Putin sensing weakness on President Biden. I mean, he telegraphed weakness with everything that happened with Afghanistan. It was like he left Americans behind Pulled out so haphazardly, left $85 billion worth of equipment. Boy, think about if that $85 billion worth of equipment would have just gotten shipped right over to Ukraine. How much that that could have helped? Boy, oh boy, oh boy. 1-800-848-9222. one let us go to Jimmy, line three. Go ahead, Jim, your thoughts.
13: Yes, I like what the general just said. He said that everything is connected. This is what I've been trying to say. So the general says that Biden should start opening up our oil spigots and oil fields and oil production. What he may not understand, if I'm bold enough to say it here, Biden and Putin are basically on the same side. The American people are victims of Biden. The Ukrainian people are victims of Putin. I mean, this is a thing. This well, is the listen, world and, and
1: One thing I will say, I'm not a fan of Biden and his policies, but I wouldn't equate him to Putin. <laughs> like, that, that to me is a little bit of a bridge too far, Jimmy. But, but, but what do you want to say about uh, Zelensky's speech?
13: Zelensky's speech was perfect, it was absolutely perfect. But listen, Biden is destroying our energy sector. Our children are going to be destroyed with the psychological warfare against them. The drugs coming in. Biden is doing everything you would do if you are the enemy. The idea that he supports Zelensky makes it look like Biden's a loyal American. It, this is this is called the dialectic in communist teaching. It's basic stuff.
1: Well, and and by the way, teaching. and by the way, Jimmy, you're correct on the sense of what obviously is happening. Within the U.S., the fact that he's killing our energy production, he's leaving our southern border wide open. I mean, there are so many things that are just absolutely stunning that this president, our current president, has done. It, it's shocking. It's, it is so, so shocking. Uh, Jimmy, thanks so much. Let's go to George in Oceanside. Go ahead, George, your thoughts. Hi,
8: Arita. After many years of listening to Rush, and Mark, I look at things a little differently. And I'm looking at the timing of Zelensky coming to Congress. Now, why didn't he do this three to four months ago? Could have made the same speech. Now, Mitch McConnell has been working on getting this omnibus bill through. And he's couching it in aid for Ukraine. So if you oppose this bill now, you support Russia. And you don't support Ukraine. By, by the way,
1: you, you are so astute, George. Our
8: Republicans, our Republicans are coming in. They won't be able to do a damn thing for a year.
1: You know, this bill George,
8: put funding in place for the Green New Deal.
1: You're George, by the way, you're astute that they wrapped it in this and it should have been separate. You know, the issue with Ukraine should have been separate, but they put it in a big package And clearly, that was absolutely part of the timing. Of course, the House changes hands into Republican hands in, you know, a matter of days, not even a month. We're talking very, very soon. So you're right. There's a lot of issues here. And they should have had the funding for Ukraine separate. But the Democrats put it in and wrapped it in this package. And now it puts a lot of pressure. Just like you said, if you want to support Ukraine, you want to pass this package.
0: The Rita Cosby Show. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.